You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's focus on the reigning world champs with a great friend of the program, Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio and the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, we have seen Tom Brady vent on the sideline in the past, but what do you make of that volcanic eruption directed at offense coordinator Josh McDaniels on Sunday? I think it shows that the 40-year-old is certainly uh, still engaged in what's going on uh, in New England. And, you know, uh, you know, you see a guy like Jay Cutler, who's much younger and retired. And even when he didn't retire, there were questions about, you know, his focus on the football field, his passion, commitment to his team in the game. Uh, I don't think you'll ever question that with Tom Brady as long as he is playing in the NFL. And, you know, you're right. We've seen this before. The only difference is, personalities. Billy O'Brien, when he was the offensive coordinator, was a more fiery guy that was going to bark back. Uh, Josh McDaniels isn't, um, but McDaniels and Brady are extremely close. They've been together the entirety um, you know, of their careers, basically. And the, you know, the lone difference being when McDaniels left to go to Denver and then St. Louis as the coordinator, but that was a short, short uh, departure for him. Otherwise, it's been all Brady and McDaniels and He's a passionate guy, and, you know, I saw some people tweeting, oh, I guess we see who the real offensive coordinator in New England is. Well, yeah, I mean, the 17-year quarterback has a massive shareholder in this, in this offense, and he has a lot to say. He's been here forever. Um, but he has a lot of respect for, for Josh McDaniels, and I just I think you saw an example of the fire that still, still burns very passionately in Tom Brady. Speaking of passion, um, what about Rob Gronkowski? I know you've been getting this uh, all week, um, but it's it's something that we haven't seen on this football team and since I've been knowing Bill Belichick as the head coach, but his actions in that game against Buffalo, you know, seeing what's going on, being frustrated, allowing his anger to come out and, and hit a defenseless player in a different way between the lines that we normally see. You think the one-game suspension was enough? You know, I, I think it probably was simply because we haven't seen this from Gronkowski before. He does not have a track record, and I think that was part of the decision. I think uh, Troy Vincent said that today, that, you know, if this had been a different guy with a different history or if this was Rob Gronkowski next year or the year after and this is already on his, his record, I think you're going to see more. But it was just sort of out of character. Um, you know, it was obviously just a, just a terrible decision. He lost his cool. I don't buy the excuses. I don't care if you were held on this play. I don't care if you were held on every pass route you've run for seven years. Um, there's no excuse for the way he lost his cool. And he's, he's getting what he deserved. I, I thought it was good that he apologized pretty immediately post-game to Tredavious White. I didn't love that the apology was pretty quickly followed by sort of excuse-making and wondering why there wasn't a flag and all that uh, kind of crap. Um, you know, I've heard some Patriots fans trying to excuse it, and to me that's just there's a big difference between what goes on between the whistles, between the lines on the field, and what Rob Gronkowski did. And, I mean, I think you saw what, what Bill Belichick thought of it. You know, the, the cameras captured him post-game talking to Sean McDermott, McDermott and, and calling it BS and apologizing for it. So, you know, it's one of those things where I tend to think if for whatever reason Gronkowski hadn't been suspended, I think there's a chance Bill Belichick would have benched him um, for some portion of this week's game because he he didn't care for it. So, you know, I, this will forever be on Gronkowski's record, and, and people will talk about it and remember it. Um, hopefully you won't see him do something like this again, and uh, this will be the one black mark sort of in his career here.
Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio and the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, I don't want to be crass, but we had a long conversation in the offseason about Gronkowski's financial incentives. How much does missing this game impact that bottom line based on what the Patriots did in the offseason? Yeah, it hurts him. Um, in terms of catches and yards, it's probably going to make it very difficult for him to get to that top, uh, top tier, which sort of doubles his salary from five and change to ten and change. But I will say... One of, those, one of those incentives is, is all-pro. If he is the first-team all-pro tight end, um, then he gets, the, I think it's $10.75 million, and he's very much in that conversation. Uh, he missed a game earlier this year with a leg injury. He's going to miss this game. But if you look at it, he's leading the Patriots in reception, leading them in touchdowns. He's up there with Jimmy Graham, uh, Travis Kelsey, those guys. And I firmly believe... He's a better all-around player than those guys. He is a true blocker. We've seen it a handful of games this year where he's sort of been kept in as a blocker and been more dominant in that facet, both in run blocking and pass protection. Um, so I certainly think there's a possibility that he still gets all pro um, for this season and gets that double of his salary. Um, but if he doesn't, then he's probably going to be a tier down, and it could cost him a couple million bucks. I'm hearing that Chris Hogan came back to practice. How how Coincidentally, is it that he comes back when Gronkowski is injured, and does he keep the the engine rolling the way it's been when it comes to the passing game? I'm still a little dubious of of Hogan being on the field this week, and the Patriots sort of have when when guys miss you know extended time four, five, six weeks, their general mo as a team is they return to the practice field one week, and then it's another week of practice after that before they return to the game game field. It's very rare that a guy's out for a month plus, comes back to the practice field on Wednesday, and by that Sunday, he's back on the game field. But, you know, maybe Hogan's different from that normal timeline, and certainly it would be beneficial to them if, you know, for Gronkowski to be out to get Hogan back, but um, they still have weapons. It'll be different. You know, don't get me wrong. When you lose your leading receiver and, you know, one of the best players to ever play the game in his position, that's a blow. But, you know, this is a team that still has Brandon Cooks. A, a top-level Pro Bowl-quality playmaker at receiver. They have the passing backs that they can lean on, whether it's James White or Rex Burkhead or even Deion Lewis, who doesn't get thrown to a ton anymore but is very capable in that area. You know, they still have um, the, the, the other guys in the, the receiving group where Philip Dorsett has been here now the whole season. He's been open. They've sort of missed him a few times, but you know, they could lean on him. And then Danny Amendola, who they have had on a pitch count basically all year because he just has a bad knee that if you throw it to him, if he's too involved, if there's too many reps, he won't make it through the season. This may be a week where instead of two catches, he's going to have to get you know six, eight catches out of the slot. So I still think they have plenty of weapons to lean on without Gronkowski and even if Hogan isn't able to get back out there this week. And let's wrap it up with coaching moves as head coaching jobs open up across the league and the Giants have started that trend. How much do you expect Patriot defensive coordinator Matt Patricia's name to come up? He was linked to a few openings last year. Oh, a ton. You know, certainly it'll depend on what teams are looking for. You know, it seems like there's always that shift. You know, sometimes teams fire an offensive coach. They want to bring in a defensive coach or vice versa. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. When you talk to all the various decision makers at the Combine over the last couple of years, and I take it with a grain of salt because a lot of them interviewed Matt Patricia but didn't end up hiring him, but – to a man, they raved about how impressive he is, how intelligent he is, and how quickly they think he is going to be a productive head coach in the National Football League. He's going to get his opportunities this year, and 
quite frankly, he deserves them because this defense stunk over the first month, and I still don't think they're overly talented. I think the front seven is doing it with smoke and mirrors. They're overcoming a lack of a run defense and a lack of a pass rush, and it's eight straight weeks now. Opponents haven't scored more than 17 points. In fact, the points have been on the downward spiral to three points allowed last week against Buffalo. I think he's done a remarkable job, and he's an impressive guy. You know, one of the talking points around here is always sort of his image. You know, the big yeah. I was going to ask guy, you about the, the beard. Do you think optics matter yeah. there? And I don't mean to be facetious, but sometimes you got to look the part to get a big job. Nope, that's part of the discussion, and I think that's an individual decision by team owners because these guys are the face of the franchise. They're out there what four or five times a week. They're doing press conferences, and a lot of these cities, those are you know live on the local sports channels and on the radio. And you look at him, and he's got the backwards hat, the pencil in his ear, kind of makes funny faces, has the big beard. Um, I don't know. And he, a lot of people probably remember he got off the plane coming back from the Super Bowl with that Roger Goodell clown nose T-shirt on. I think a lot of people didn't like that. So, you know, there's certainly some image issues that he has to deal with. He's a terrible conference call, I'll tell you that much. As somebody who has to listen to him speak to the media every Tuesday, he's a terrible, <laughs> terrible conference call. Um, so I, I think coaches, I mean, I mean, owners will take that into account, but they also have to take into account the success he's had with this defense. You know, one of the best, top scoring defense for a Super Bowl team a year ago, trending in that direction again this year, coming from Bill Belichick as an understudy. Sure, those guys have failed in the past, but he's also an impressive young coach. So he's going to get his chance this year, next year, and next year or so, um, and we'll see how successful he is being his own man because I think that's what he needs to be, his own man. He can't be... Belichick 2.0, he needs to be Matt Patricia 1.0 and succeed in that way. Andy, I considered growing a beard a la Patricia. It occurred to me it would take me a decade to match that hair suit look that he has mastered. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think it's easier to pull off when you're an aeronautical engineer mm. and a high-level NFL assistant coach. It's harder when you, you know, Joe Average guys like you or I, people look at us funny. Well, Andy, I went to Stanford so I could pull it off, you know. Oh, nice. Thank you. Why are you stuck doing talk radio? I made a series of bad decisions. Andy, <laughs> always a pleasure. We'll chat with you next week. <laughs> All right. See you, guys. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.